Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Welcome to the podcast today. We're getting into the book of the Revelation, obviously, for the sealing of God's people. We see that in Revelation 7. Now, there's going to be four winds that hurt the earth, the water, and the trees. But before they hurt the earth there, it is saying, seal the servants of our God in their forehead. Now, we received the word from the Lord, 19th of January, seal my people by my word. As, even as, I send my angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. Very profound. And we, from that point on, went about the last day work of the ministry in obedience to the Lord in sealing his people. God bringing his body together now in the unity of the faith into the knowledge of the Son of God, which is a perfect mirror image of Jesus. There we see in Revelation 5, he that sat on the throne and there was a book sealed with seven seals. And what is the seven seals? What are the seven seals? Well, they're the seal of the the words of the book of this prophecy. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. But we find in Christ, there's a mystery of that Christ, the Father, and God that we see in Colossians 2. To the full assurance of the understanding of the mystery of God and the Father and Christ. Well, why would that be a mystery? In him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There he sealed the book. And that seal is the heartstrings of God that is only to the servants of God that will be able to read it, that they will be able to have the understanding. We see that in Daniel 12 because it's stated, the wise shall understand these things, but the wicked cannot understand and that is the last day work of the ministry the work of Jesus that voice of the son of God that in obedience to the body of Christ coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ full grown fully mature and being able to enter into the kingdom of heaven so what is this ceiling well there's sealed in the seals of the book, and that's the Bibliaridian, the little book, that is compacted to the point where the body of Christ can eat all of it, not partial, not part of it, but all of it, into all truth, given to us to know all things through the unction of the Holy One. That's all truth. So we grow up into him in all things and all truth, that were not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We see in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, that Paul exhorts us to go on to perfection. He says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Verse 1, Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will be due if God permit. Then he goes on, very important, in the same chapter and says that God 
swore by himself because he could swear by no greater. Now verse 11. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you be not slowful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Well, somebody said, I just thought that we inherited the promises when I was saved that day. I asked Jesus to come into my heart, or I said the sinner's prayer. was not so. There are four stages in going from glory to glory to come unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. We start out as newborn babes. They desire the sincere milk of the word they may grow thereby. They are the ones that are born of the water and the spirit, as given to Peter on the day of Pentecost. They were pricked in their heart. And brethren, what must we do? Peter, having the keys to the kingdom, said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father's not a name, Son's not a name, Holy Ghost. The name of that Spirit in each of those offices, which is but one Spirit, is Jesus. He is the Christ. He's the Hamashiach. The name is Jesus. And we see in Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Though the blood name of God, the redemption name of God, the only revealed name of God is Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. So we believed on the name of the Son of God that he is the Father revealed in a body of flesh and blood. He's not the Son of God revealed in the flesh. That is a beast. And the false prophet will make an image to that. Though we have the true Jesus, Jehovah, is salvation, not Jehovah Jr. He is God. Now, for us to inherit the promises, these exceedingly great and precious promises that's given to us, that we might be made partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. Search the scriptures, for in them we think we have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me, Jesus said. In the volume of the book, it's written of me, Jesus. I, the man, come to do thy will, O God, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, for a body that has prepared me, God Almighty. There's not a second person there. And we are now the body of the Christ simply because of him. The firstborn, our elder brother, is, has entered in. The forerunner has already entered in and now showed us the way, the truth, and life through obedience unto righteousness, yielding the peaceful fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, in Hebrews 6, to go on to perfection, we have to have these promises and we have to obey them. In verse 13, for when God made promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, verse 14, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater. 
and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. We're in God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, the church of the living God, the real body of Christ, the immutability of his counsel, unchangeable, confirmed it by an oath. Now, God is going to Sheba himself. Swear an oath seven times over. And he sevened himself. And we see the sevened there in the seven seals of the book. That is God's own self and it's his, his heart strings written to the servants of God, not to national, national Israel, the nation of Israel, but to the church of the living God. We must understand that to the body of Christ, to the servants of God, what must shortly come to pass. Well, how did he do it? Well, he sevened himself. Those are the seven seals. That is the Sheba. And that these two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. There's two immutable things. Number one, God cannot lie. Number two, he's faithful overseeing his word. He's faithful and true. Those are the two immutable things that we will see on the thigh of Jesus coming on the white horse written on his thigh is the name written that he is faithful and true and a name that only he knows, but it's revealed to those that will receive it. That is the hidden manna that we will eat of. That is a white stone given to each of us with a new name written that only he knows that receives it. It's hidden, but only to those that are obedient unto righteousness will have access to it. Why is it done that way? Is it esoteric? Of course it is. It is to those only the servants of God, having their father's name written in their foreheads, that is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until we receive the promised possession. There it says these are two immutable things which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation and to lay what? who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. We have to lay hold upon the hope. We have to press toward the mark. We can't sit idly by. We can't be at ease in Zion. Woe be unto them that at ease in Zion. God said, I'll search Jerusalem with candles and punish all those that are settled on their leaves. We have to be stirred up. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. That is uh, the anchor to the soul to be sober, be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, going about as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. We draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. And then and only then we will rebuke the devil and he will flee from us. It's both sure and steadfast which entereth into that within the veil, that's tabernacles, that's not Pentecost whether the forerunner, Jesus, is for us entered. 
Even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's a new order, not after Levi, not after Aaron or the Aaronic priesthood. For our Lord sprang out of Judah. This is after the order of Melchizedek, and that is the work of the ministry. That is under grace. We're not under the law, but we're under grace, and grace is not static but dynamic. And that is, it requires obedience. Whosoever we yield our members and servants to obey, him of the servants to whom we obey, whether of sin unto death, that is carnally minded, still dying even though we have the Holy Ghost, and not obeying it, are of obedience unto righteousness, which yields the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We're talking about the seven seals, which we will be sealed with that word of God, but we have to enter in, in the revelation, because it's written to us. It's written to the servants of God, those that will obey his voice. Notice in Revelation 10, the seven thunders uttered their voices. John heard it and was about to write. Now, John's in the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist forerun Jesus' first coming. That's that suffering Messiah. Hamashiach ben Yosef, the suffering Messiah. Albeit this time, he's not coming back as a suffering Messiah, but Hamashiach ben David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. They're coming back with the wrath of the lamb because those of disobedience will be destroyed. Well, we have the sealing of the servants of our God in their forehead, which is the mind of Christ. We see this Sheba. God Sheba himself, seven to himself, which are the seven seals. It's the heartstrings of God. David was a man after God's own heart. And we find that this in the Philadelphia church have the key of David. That is Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. We are the body of the Christ. When we take a look that they tried to steal this well of an oath. Beersheba, the well of an oath, we see that, and we end uh, with them fighting over it. Abimelech and Phicol fight over and try to steal the well from Abraham, and Abraham gives them seven ewe lambs. It's a seven that God has shebed himself, or that is seventh himself. Swore seven times over an oath, binding himself that he is faithful and true for us, the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, that we have an anchor to the soul. We know that we know because God has said it. We have that anchor to the soul that God cannot lie, and he's faithful to watch over his word. And if we obey the word, then he is faithful to seal us. We find Abimelech and Phicol. There the chief captain of the host spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee and all that thou doest. And he said, Now for swear unto me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the king, 
kindness that I have done unto you, thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. Watch it. Verse 24. Abraham said, I will swear. Now there they were coming into the Sheba. And Abraham reproved Abimelech. What? Because this is a wells of the water of truth. It is a fountain of an eye. The fountain of an eye is the ain. The ain is a window to the spirit, not to the soul. When, when Adam ate of the tree of knowledge after Eve had done it, who was first called Adam, and fell and brought death upon all mankind, upon a whole cosmos. By one man's disobedience, sin came into the world and death by sin. There we find that God said, and I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you a promise of the Messiah. And he did that, talking to the snake, the serpent that caused this problem in Genesis 3.15. Talking to the serpent, serpent. He said, and I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Thou going to bruise her head, and thou will bruise his heel. His heel. It goes from that her heel to a his heel because the woman's going to bring forth a man-child. We see that in Genesis 3.15. That is the first proto-evangel that we have in the word of God. Talk to the snake, and God said, I'll put enmity between thee, snake, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It will bruise thy head. And thou, that is, it, that woman, will bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, that is, the afflictions that the body of Christ will go through. Now, we know that he sets at the east end of the Garden of God there in Genesis 3.24, cherubim along with a flaming sword. Now, this will have to do with that oath because there is sorrow that is going to be given to the woman to bring forth this seed. We see that in verse 17. And Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Woman, it says there that she is going to be saved in childbearing. Sorrow, pains, birth pains. And same way with Adam. It's sorrow is pains of travail of birth. And we see that in Revelation 12. Well, so we see that at the east end of the Garden of God, he places cherubim, capital C, with a flaming sword turning every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. Then there is a controversy over this well. This well that Abraham says is mine. And I'll give you an oath that I have digged this well. And notice... He says in verse 30 of Genesis 21, and he said, this is Abraham, 
verse 28. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Why seven? Because God sevened himself, and Abraham, the father of faith, is setting this oath with sevened. And the Feast of Sevens is the Feast of the Revelation. It's the Feast of all feasts. It's the Feast of Prophecy. It's the words of the book of this prophecy. It is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the Feast of all feasts. And there we have the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of all feasts, which is sevened, Sheba. God has sworn seven times over. This is our promise as an anchor to the soul for us who are heirs. And we see that in Revelation with seven seals. Abraham, in like manner, takes seven ewe lambs and of the flock and sets them by themselves. Verse 28. This is Genesis 21, 29. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? What are you doing? Why have you separated these out? And Abraham said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness between me, that between unto me that I have digged this well. It's a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Why would you give seven ewe lambs? Why would you sacrifice that? Because Abraham digged that well. And that well is an ain, it's a fountain of the waters of truth. Out of your belly shall flow these living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But here we're talking about here, and they're sacrificing seven ewe lambs, seven. So there's seven feasts of the Lord. Why? Because we must partake of all seven. We're told by the worldly church world that worshiping the queen of heaven, that we will not have to have a cross because when we worship the queen of heaven, everything goes good. And that's the reason they need dough and the women are weeping for Tammuz, which is the mother of Easter or Ishtar or Astart, which is Egyptian Isis. Because they see no sorrow. They see no birth pains. There's no travail. You can have the world, and they say you can have Jesus too. That's Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of this world. She said, I said a queen. There's your queen of heaven. And she said, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrow, no birth pain. But Abraham said, this is a sacrifice I'm giving. And this is a witness. That witness is the testimony of Jesus. It is a testimony given. It is Galid, the heap of testimony. And here he gives seven ewe lambs. This be witness. And it's witness with the blood. And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand that they may be a witness unto me that I, Abraham, have digged this well. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because there they swear both of them. That's a well of an oath, Beer, well, Sheba. 
where Abraham has summoned himself that in the likeness God, because he could swear by no greater, swear by himself. We're going to see the same thing with David with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. And you know what happened. Uriah's killed in battle. Joab takes him to the wall and he is killed. Come back and tells David it's taken care of. Now Uriah's dead. Now you can take Bathsheba to your wife. And he does. That is the mother of an oath. That's Sheba. The first one, it displeased God and God killed that son. But then they had Solomon. The first one is killed. The second one there is Solomon. And the Lord loves Solomon. It speaks of uh, that being born again. Esau of hated Jacob of love. Cain and Abel. We always see the first heir is born after Adam. The second one, born again. And we see that all through the word of God. But God has sworn by himself, he sheba it, sheba himself. Just as Abraham did with that well of an oath. That well is a well of uh, waters. And we find Jesus at that well. And they said, our father gave us this well. And Jesus said, if you'd have known whom you're speaking to, you would not have just had, you would have the water that I will give you that you will never thirst again. He said, Lord, give me this water. <laughs> this is the water of life. It's an ain. It's the crystal sea before the throne of God, which is the knowledges of God. It's a washing of the water of the word, but it's seven. That means it's not just one, one step, because God gives us seven divine appointments of God with us in a growth state that has to be obeyed. There's three seasons in a person's life. That is Passover. That has three feasts. The feasts are Moed. Divine appointments of God with man. Then the second season, there's only one feast. Then in the third season, there's three feasts. All the feasts of the Lord are seven. There's seven. That's a Sheba. That is God has sworn by himself seven times over and oath to us that in the completion of all, the consummation, that we will be heirs of salvation. But there's seven of them. But we're told in the earthly, worldly church, there's only one. You just ask Jesus to come into your heart. You're forever saved. Once saved, always saved. Or you've said the sinner's prayer, fundamentalist. Or even Pentecostals that you have uh, repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You have the Holy Ghost. That's all there is. Well, even after you have been repented, and baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, buried with him in baptism for the circumcision of the heart at the body of the sins of the flesh are cut off, and then receive the Holy Ghost, you're born of the water and the Spirit, you're just beginning the race. Then you have to run that you may obtain. Obtain what? Eternal life. Through obedience unto righteousness, not of works, the works of the law, by the works of the law, no flesh will be saved. 
but the righteousness of God by faith. And faith without works is dead. We're made comparable to Jesus' sufferings, fellowship of his sufferings. Not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. Mortifying the deeds of the flesh, will we make ourselves vessels under honor, meet for the master's use. We want to point out that there are seven things that are required in the body of Christ and obedience. Not one. Not just repentance. That's a start. Godly sorrow worked the repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of, but that's not salvation. It starts it. It begins the walk in God, repenting, having a lifestyle change, and lining up with the Word of God. But that's not enough. You've got to repent and be baptized in the name, the name given above all names, the blood name of God, the only revealed name of God, the only name that can take away sin, which is the blood name of God, Jesus which is the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Three offices of that one spirit, but the name of that spirit is Jesus. Jehovah's salvation. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you take on the name of Jesus. As many as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now you're not a full-grown, mature father. You are a newborn baby. The newborn babes, born of the water and the spirit, then desire, then sincere milk of the word, they may grow thereby. Got to grow. Well, there's seven. Yeshiva. That's seven. There's the seven seals, which we will receive in our forehead, sealed the servants of God in our forehead. That's the mind of Christ. And God has sworn it, that he's faithful and true, and that's what will be revealed and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last day revelation, King of kings and Lord of lords. And upon his thigh written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that is the word that he is, the word of God. And that we will see that Jesus is the God Almighty, manifest in flesh, that is now the quickening spirit of God. He's always been God and always will be God. On his vesture, dipped in blood, his name is called the Word of God. Dipped in blood, yes. Who is this that his garments all dipped in blood coming from Bozrah? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He treadeth the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God alone, and great will be slain of the Lord. In the valley of decision, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of Jezreel, Armageddon. That's the last day battle. Well, we must be sevened, and that's the Feast of Sevens. That's the Feast of Engathering. That's the Feast of Tabernacles that we must enter into. Not just one Feast of Repentance. Not one of just being buried with Jesus in baptism. But we have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the first four feasts. Feast of Passover, Jesus died. Feast of Unleavened Bread, he was buried. Then he's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection of the dead. Jesus raised his own body up from the grave, from the tomb. Jesus stated that in John 2. Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. No man can raise up his own body of death that has died. 
except he be God. He's a free will sacrifice. He said, I freely lay down my life. I have power to lay it down. I have power to receive it again. This I received of my father. Well, how did he do it? Jesus said, destroy this temple. Three days, I will raise it up. I'll show you. And by that resurrection, that I am God manifest in the flesh, the son of God, the father of glory revealed. And that's exactly what he did. But now we partake of the seven feasts, not one feast, not four feasts, just repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, born of the water and receiving the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit. Partaking of the first four feasts, there are still three more feasts that must be obeyed in obedience for us to have entered into eternal life. And those are the last season which we are in now in the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Engathering, the Feast of Sevens, the Feast of Sheba, that God has sworn that by himself, because he could swear by no greater, giving us an anchor to the soul and heirs to the promise, that by these two immutable things, unchangeable things, that he sevened himself, that he's faithful and true. Those are the seven seals of the revelation. Notice that in those seven seals are all the judgments of God. Because when we go one through the sixth seal, we see a white, red, black, and pale horse rider. The word of God goes through. It causes a division in the earth. A sword is given. Peace is taken from the earth. There's a balance there in the black horse rider. We're all going to be weighed in the balance. A measure of wheat for a penny, that is one feast of Pentecost. That's a corn harvest, but there's only one feast there. That is a measure of wheat. That's a corn harvest in wheat, which is Pentecost, for a penny. Still have to be bought. How? You're giving your life. You're losing your life for the gospel's sake. The saints shall find it. You must believe that. You must receive the Holy Ghost. Three measures of barley for a penny. Well, what's barley? Barley is the corn harvest and the barley harvest, which is the feast of Passover, feast of unleavened bread, and the feast of first fruits. Three measures of barley for a penny. That's repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, the body, the sins of the flesh, destroyed, raised in the midst of life. That's for a penny. You still have to buy the truth, sell it not. That what? A man, except he forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Still has to be bought. Those are the first four feasts. A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. That's the first four feasts. Then you have three more feasts. That is the fruit harvest of oil and wine. But see that thou do not hurt the oil and the wine. These are the ones that are full grown unto the Lord Jesus Christ. They have come to the measure of the statue of Jesus and to a perfect man. They are the fathers. They've grown from little children that we see in 1 John 2, 12 through 14. They're not little babies. They desire the sincere milk of the word. They may grow thereby, and they've grown to little children. Well, the little children, their sins are forgiven for his name's sake. They're born of the water and spirit, but they have a revelation higher. They've grown. And they've known the Father. Jesus said, if you'd have known me, John 13, if you'd have known me, you should have known my Father also. 
You're from beneath, I'm from above. You're this world, I'm not of this world. Except you believe that I am he, the father of glory. John 8, 24, you shall die in your sins. You'll see it again in John 14. You believe in God, believe also in me. Father's house of many mansions, when I saw what I told you. I got to prepare a place for you where I am. There you may be also. Whether I go, you know, in the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. From henceforth you both know him and have seen him. Well, the disciples did not understand. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Give us this hidden truth. And hid in Christ are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And the office, the only office that was hid is that of the Father. Because that mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, Colossians 2 is in him or head all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That is, Christ is God, but what office are we talking about? The Father. And Jesus said in John 16, I will no more speak to you in Proverbs. I'll show you plainly of the Father. That's the office that's been hidden. And no more Proverbs. I'm going to show you plainly of the Father. And it says in that day, you will no more ask the Father in my name, but you will ask in my name, and I say not that I'll pray the Father for you. For the Father loveth you and giveth all things unto me. I proceeded from the Father, I go back to the Father. I came from God and went back to God, not beside him, not around him, to him. Revelation 3.21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. That's what he did for us. To us were at the right hand of God. That's the body of Christ. But where did you go, Jesus? Well, the church world still says there's a man standing at the right hand of God. Not realizing that is not a physical right hand, Kyre. It is dexios. It's an elevated glory. It's an elevation. And he says, where did you go, Jesus? It says, Revelation 3.21, Jesus said, even as I overcame and am set, not S-I-T, to sit down, but S-E-T, a forever settled glory of God. He's always been God, always will be God. Even as I overcame, Jesus said, and him set S-E-T down with my Father in his throne, not beside it, not around it. The man is glorified by the Father's own self and has now made a quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. First man, Adam, was made a living soul. Who's this last Adam? Jesus Christ. He's made a quickening spirit. The Lord is that spirit. We find that in 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Well, what does that mean to us? We have to partake of the last three feasts of the Lord, which are the divine appointments of God with man, that there right now that we are living in this present age still have to enter into what Jesus has already paid for. What is that? The Feast of Trumpets, the ministry voice of Jesus, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Those three feasts. What does that mean? Well, we see in 2 Corinthians 3, the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, the man, Christ Jesus. 
Well, then someone said, well, that's great. Thank God he did it. But then he goes on and says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be gotten out of ourselves. What now? The body of Christ? Yes. What does he expect? He expects us to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of himself, a perfect, spotless, blameless church that we all will be presented blameless at his coming. A glorious church without spot or blemish. Don't let anybody tell you any different. The children of the kingdom will be cast out. We have to be full grown. And there we have this treasure in earthly vessels, the body of Christ. We are the body of the Christ. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. And that generation is counted for the seed, which is Christ in us to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. But most do not run the race to get there. They stop somewhere along the line saying, this is enough. I don't need anything else. That's what Laodicea says. I'm clothed, fed, increased with goods. I have need of nothing. I don't have anything that I am short of. But God says, knowest thou not you? You're, you are naked and destitute. What? I thought she was clothed and fed, increased with goods, had a need of nothing. But not so. Jesus said, I would you were cold or hot. You are naked, destitute. We don't know the situation of the worldly church. We have to purge ourselves from dead works to serve the living God and making ourselves vessels on honor through sanctification and obedience unto righteousness. Well, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He says to Laodicea, what do we do? Well, I counsel to you to buy me gold trying in the fire. There's three measures of wheat for a penny. Make sure that you have repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. A measure of wheat for a penny. Make sure you receive the Holy Ghost, Christ in you. But don't hurt the oil and the wine. Why? Because they're already doing the will of God. They're walking in the light as he's in the light. So don't hurt them. But the others, they've got to pay the price. And that's what he's talking about with the black horse rider. What follows that if we don't listen? After that third year, it's dung about watered. And in that third day, he will raise us up. We'll live in his sight. But what if it doesn't bring forth fruit? Oil and wine, the fruit harvest. Well, cut it down, cast it into the fire. It's nothing meat except for the dunghill. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a pale horse rider. What happens there? Death and hell followed after him, and one-fourth of the population were killed by the sword, famine, pestilence, and plagues. They're in the earth. God's four sword judgments. Because we did not receive and obey the word of God. That's that white horse rider. It's not a deceiver. It's given to him a bow. A white horse is the whites of righteousness of the saints. We're told it's a deceiver. No, it's not. If we believe that God sent forth peace on the earth, we'd say, yeah, that's a deceiver. No, this is going forth conquering unto conquer. We're more than conquerors. Jesus said, you think I come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword. Said a man at variance. Father against the son, mother against the daughter, mother-in-law against their daughter-in-law. A man's foes will be those of his own household. Now, there's the truth. It goes out, and he gives that rider a bow. 
There's no arrow there. You'll see pictures there of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they'll show that white horse rider with a bow with an arrow in it. There's no arrow. Why? Because it is a fabric bow. When you look it up, and it says a fabric ornamental bow. What would you do with an ornamental bow made out of fabric? Well, it's an ornamental bow that you give to the victor after he's won the battle. Jesus gives it to us before we even enter the battle. It's the word of God going forth and conquering and to conquer because we're more than conquerors. Somebody says, I've never heard it that way. Well, yes, it's the word of God going through this gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world for witness in all nations. And then the end will come. But then when that word goes forth, it says now, but I give you a crown there before you even start the battle. It's a Stephanos. It's not the royal diadema. That's Jesus. Many crowns. But it's given to us the victor's crown. And that is the Stephanos. And the crown was given to him. He went forth conquering and to conquer. That's the church, the living God. That's the body of Christ. Thank the Lord Jesus. But then what happens? It goes to a red horse then. Sword to take peace from the earth. Well, that's exactly what Jesus said. Because after that sword, as man's foes will be those of his own household. Then we go to the balance. Which side are you on? You go to the black horse rider. There's no color in black. In the white horse rider, there's every color of the spectrum in white. The red is the most active, violent color there is. Then we go to black. No color at all. What does that mean? It means that we're weighing the balance. And those that have not come into that barley harvest of by feast of Passover and that bread first fruits, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there's still a measure of wheat, a measure of three measures of barley, I'm sorry, for a penny. That's your death, burial, and resurrection. Repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, race and the newness of life, the body of the sins of the flesh destroyed by baptism. That's Colossians 2, 10 through 12, Romans 6, 1 through 4. Then a measure of wheat for a penny. That's being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Outward evidence is speaking in other tongues. With, with men in tongues of stammering lips will I speak to this generation, yet they will not hear me. Well, that all that are... Believers in the name of Jesus will speak with new tongues. Paul stated that, that I speak with tongues more than y'all. I'll pray with the understanding that is in my knowledge, and I'll pray in the spirit also that is in the tongues. When he speaks in an unknown tongue, his understanding is unfruitful. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries unto God. Why is that essential? Because no man knows how he ought to pray. The Spirit itself maketh intercession according to the will of God with groanings which cannot be uttered. Why? Because we don't understand them. It's unfruitful in their understanding and, then, and the intellect of the mind of the believer. We're speaking mysteries unto God according to the will of God. That's Jude 20. Building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's essential. Well, is that is that all? No. Now you've partaken of those four, first four feasts. There still remains three feasts. That's the ministry voice of Jesus, this gospel being preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. That is where we are now. The seven feasts 
are the seven seals. And those seven seals, we go to that first four seals. The word of God goes forth. It takes peace from the earth. If there, then we go to the balances, the ones in God, the ones not. We have to purchase that. If we do, we're okay. If not, then we have the pale horse rider. Death and hell followed. One fourth of all mankind were killed. And then we go to the fifth seal. The fifth seal are the ones that were slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. The church of the living God. That's not nation of Israel, not national Israel. It's the church. They're in that brazen altar under the altar in heaven. Souls of them slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. They said, O Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before thou avenge your blood upon them that dwell on the earth? White robes of righteousness were given to each one of them. And it was said in my hearing, and to your fellow servants and your brethren that should be killed as you were, should be fulfilled. We've got more that are going to seal their testimony as a witness of Jesus with their own blood. Then you go to the sixth seal. Sun darned in the darkness, the moon and the blood. Then that fig tree is shaken of a mighty wind and the figs fall into the mouth. The untimely figs fall into the mouth of the spoiler. Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? What happens then? We've got a sealing. And the seventh seal opens up seven trumpets. So in the seven seals until the very last seventh seal, then we get into the judgments of God and the earth according to the prayers of the saints in Revelation 8. And then God in his mercy trying to reach everyone. Then in that seventh trumpet, we find the seven bowls wherein is filled up the bowels of the wrath of God. God doing everything he can possible to get mankind to turn to him, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. For when the God's judgments are in the earth, men will learn righteousness. They'll know that he, Jesus, is the only true God in eternal life and not a trinity, not a binary, not a tunis, and not a oneness where the man's not God, but has God in him. He is God. The man is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. He is that quickening spirit. That man that you crucified has been made both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.36, he is the blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. 1 Timothy 6.15, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. So we are in right now those seven seals. Those seven seals are being sealed in the knowledge of the Son of God unto perfection right now in the body of Christ. On the 19th of January, 2019, we say it again, reiterate it again. The Lord appeared in a vision and said, seal my people. It's a visitation. There in Transmira, Kenya, Africa, 19th of January, 2019, seal my people by my word. Even as I send my angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. And we're doing the best we can. We're your servants. We're pop the rag, shine your shoes. We're there for you. And who will have an ear to hear what the spirit is saying to the churches? God's calling his body into one. Come join me. 
the ones that God is dealing with, please join me. And we will go forth into all the world with this witness of the gospel of the kingdom to be all to all nations. And then we will have fulfilled our testimony. We've done the will of God, you along with me, and we shake hands together. And by doing so, we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope this is a blessing to you. The seals are happening now. It's a sevenfold seal and seal the servants of God in their forehead. It's a knowledge of the Son of God to, through these great and precious promises that are given to us to be protectors of his divine nature. And we'll escape the corruption of the world through lust. Tune in. Tune in there at jcic.tv where we have our own private website for those that are little children. What I mean by that is that you've already been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and have the Holy Ghost. You are not this newborn babes, but you believe that he is the father. You're little children. You've gone to that as well as us. But we're coming to young men, overcomers, word of God, and we're coming into the final statue of Jesus as fathers. And we will fulfill that word of God in Malachi 4. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That's remember my servant Moses. Behold, I send you Elijah. That is the witness of Christ throughout the land in the last days, doing the redemption miracles of Jesus, showing he is the resurrection of life, doing the judgment miracles of Moses, which was Christ, not Moses, but Christ in him. We, the body of Christ, will do the same. And uh, that restoration miracles of Elijah, kingdom miracles, which was not Elijah, but the Christ in Elijah. And he destroyed the, the prophets of Baal. We in the body of Christ will famish all the gods of this earth. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Join me. Let's do it. Let's take the world together with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tune into the podcast. There, you're listening there. Join us on jcic.tv and simply by answering your question. Are you a Jesus only? one God believer that you believe that Jesus is the Father of glory. He is that spirit. You answer yes, you're in. Simply do a registration. You will receive a username and password. Visit with us daily. You can ask questions and give comments at 2 o'clock Monday through Saturday at jcic.tv. Also, do our download our app or any friends that you know that's seeking God and truth download our app sailing god's people where we have our podcast coming to you daily well we love you we're praying for you for the perfecting of whatever's lacking in all of us to be presented blameless at the coming of the lord jesus christ unto perfection until the next time this is brother dennis spirit saying behold the real jesus